This morning we start a new sermon series called Twisted Scripture, and, and it's, a, it's a reiteration of what we did last year. Last year I asked people, hey, what are some of those scriptures that you hear Christians or other people misuse or misunderstand, maybe even misuse in a way to hurt or cause harm to other people? And man, when I asked the church that, I asked it on Facebook, I asked it in an email, and a flood of responses came in. And last year I was looking at the flood of responses and I said, I was only planning on doing this for four weeks. Man, how are we going to do this? I thought, again, you know, this is a good time, and maybe it's something that we do on a regular basis, that we come back and we have kind of twisted scripture 2.0. And um, there, there's letters in plastic, and they're standing up on my desk, and there's a small Bible on it. I forgot a piece of my sermon this morning, so some people are helping me out with that. And... Um, and uh, let me think, where was I? Twisted scripture. So I think on a regular basis, we need to come back to some of these scriptures that people are misusing to hurt one another because um, when Christians use scripture in an inappropriate way, it hurts all of us. It hurts all of us. And so I put it back out onto Facebook. I put it back out to the church. Hey, what are some other uh, scriptures that people are twisting, that are, people are misusing? And I was surprised to see so many people say the golden rule. And the golden rule gets misused. I thought, how could the golden rule get misused? It's such an easy scripture. It's such, it seems straightforward. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Have them done unto you, something like that. And I think so simple, perfect. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, perfect. You got Ivy. <laughs> thank you. We'll bring these up a little bit later on. And I started, so then I asked people, hey, how has the golden rule been misused? Help me out. You guys chose the golden rule, so now you guys write the sermon. And uh, so people responded back, and, and, and I think there's a couple of things that I want to point out. The first way that people misuse the golden rule is that they just assume everyone is just like me. The golden rule does not mean treat everyone just like you. I think there's a good, there's a good, um, uh, there's a good analogy from uh, this TV show. You may have heard it. It's called The Simpsons. And uh, well, let me just let's just take a look. There's a little video here. Brother, hold on, hold on now. Your mother hasn't opened my present yet. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy 34th birthday, Mrs. Homer Simpson. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> what? Don't worry. This frosting will come right off. Beauty, isn't she? Well, it's hard for me to judge, since I've never bowled in my life. Well, if you don't want it, I know someone who does. Now, what did he do wrong? I mean, he loves bowling. There's a beautiful bowling ball, and it's his wife's birthday. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. I would like a bowling ball for my birthday. I'm going to give you a bowling ball for my birthday, right? Nothing wrong with that. Well, maybe there is something wrong, and maybe the heart of the golden rule is not to just treat everyone the way that you would like to be treated, but to empathize and to know another person. Because you know what? If somebody is going to give me a birthday gift, I would like them to know the things that I like. It would be nice if they asked, hey, 
What kind of things are you into? Give us some ideas for a present, right? So, but sometimes we get caught up in thinking everyone is the same. Everyone likes the things that I like. Everyone does the things that I do. So if I just treat everyone the way I want to treat myself, then that's following the golden rule. No, 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 no. That's not quite following the golden rule. The second way people do it is they use it to dismiss legitimate complaints. Another pastor friend of mine shared a story. She was, she was raised Catholic in a town that was all Baptist. And so she stuck out like a sore thumb. And, and she would get bullied. And she would get bullied. And she had, a, she had this one bully that would bully her constantly. And when they made it into the eighth grade, <clears throat> When they made it into the eighth grade, this bully was sat right next to her, continually pestered her, told her that she wasn't Christian, told her that she was going to go to hell, told her all these things because she wasn't Baptist, because she was Catholic instead. So one day after school, she went to the teacher and said, teacher, um, this guy, he's bothering me, he's bullying me, he's telling me all these things because I'm Catholic and I'm not Baptist. And uh, of course, teacher was also a little Baptist. And the teacher said, why are you complaining against him? Why are you trying to get him in trouble? You should follow the rules of Jesus and do unto others as you would have done unto them, right? So this teacher was using this golden rule to dismiss her complaints and saying, hey, if you have a problem with somebody, just follow the golden rule. Be kind to them. Be kind to them. Let, that's what you would want, right? So don't rise up against people that are bothering you. Don't rise up or stand up against bullies, but do unto others as you would have done unto them. Sometimes we use the golden rule to silence complaint, to try to dismiss um, legitimate problems. Right? The third way I heard is that people use the golden rule to manipulate others into acting the way that you would want them to act. The classic example is parents at a park, and your child sees another child's toy, and so you go over to them and you say, hey, can, can my child play with your child's toy? And the, the, the person that owns the toy has all the rights to say, nope, this is mine, right? Somebody shared a story where a mother came to them in a the park and said, hey, my son would like to play with your son's toy, and the mother said, no, we're not sharing toys right now. And the response was, well, Jesus says that you should, right? <laughs> Do unto others as you would have done unto them. If you were in my place, you would want me to share my toy, so you should uh, share your toy, right? Sometimes people use the golden rule to manipulate and make people act the way you want them to act. And forcing somebody to act the way that you would want them to act, that is not the golden rule, right? That is not the golden rule. So I, I wonder to myself, this is so insane. How is it that we take such a benign, good teaching of Jesus and twist it around in such ways that it actually hurts people? It's so strange to me. And then it kind of dawned on me a little bit. It dawned on me a little bit. Why do we ever quote the Bible? Why do people ever say anything from the Bible? It's because for many, 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 many people, the Bible is a source of authority, right? The Bible is, God is working through it to, just, to, uh, to reveal God's will, right? The Bible is a good thing. I love the Bible. I, I devote my life to this thing. I'm in it daily. I live in these scriptures. I devote my life to study these scriptures, right? It is authoritative in my life. 
And it's authoritative for many people, right? So if you can quote from somebody's authority book, if you can quote from somebody's book of, that has a lot of weight in their lives, then you can use it to get them to do the things you want them to do, right? So I think sometimes we quote from this book that has so much weight, that has so much authority to kind of bolster our arguments, right? To give whatever else we're saying a little bit more stature, a little bit more gravity. And the reason why the golden rule gets misused so often is because everyone is familiar with it. Everybody knows it's in the Bible. It's easy to say. It rolls off the tongue. Everybody knows it, right? So you don't have to be a Bible expert at all in order to quote a piece of Scripture. And if you know how powerful Scripture is, then you just take what little bits you know and throw it around to get people to do what you want them to do, right? Everyone is familiar with this little piece of Scripture. That's why it's so easy to misuse or misrepresent. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you use the words of Christ without the Spirit of Christ, you can do damage to the religion of Christ, to the people of Christ, and you can do damage to the Scripture, right? The biggest enemy, the enemy of Scripture, is a Christless familiarity with the words of Christ, right? The enemy of Scripture is a Christless familiarity with the words of Christ. People know, people know what Jesus said. People know what Jesus said. And it's easy to take what Jesus said and manipulate them and use them in the ways that you want them to be used if you care nothing for Christ. But if you care for Christ, if you care about God made flesh, if you care about who Jesus is and want to live your lives according to Christ, then we are not at liberty to take his words and use them for whatever we want to use them. What we are called to do is take Jesus' words and then ask, Jesus, what do you mean by this? Remember last week, the risen Christ appeared to his disciples, and as they were talking, as they were eating fish together, what did he do? He opened their minds to the scriptures. We need the Spirit of Christ to open our minds to the scriptures, to continually open our minds to the scriptures. And when we approach scripture, when we approach this book with so much weight and so much authority, we cannot do it without the Spirit of Christ. So every time we open this book, it is a time of prayer. Every time we open this book, it is a time of communion with God, and we say, God, help me. Help me hear from this word what you want me to hear today. Help me to hear from this word what you intend to say to me. That's what we have to do. This kind of scant familiarity with Scripture is so dangerous, and it's how the Bible gets misused so often. So this morning, the golden rule, how, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's ask Christ to help us interpret the golden rule. What do you mean by all this Jesus, right? I think a couple of things we have to do is in an attitude of worship, in an attitude of prayer, after we've sung word of God come down to earth, we are ready to hear the scriptures. When we gather together in worship and when we, when we ordain 
somebody to study the scriptures and to pray over the scriptures and to help us interpret the scriptures, it's good to listen to that person. I'm talking about somebody else, not me. And <laughs> just kidding. I am talking about me. Um, and then we trust that person to do some legwork. We trust that person to do some studies. And so I've done a little bit of studying this week. I've discovered that the golden rule is not original to Jesus. I don't know if you knew that. The golden rule is not original to Jesus. It's been around for a long time, right? In fact, every culture and every religion has a form of the golden rule. I, I, I put a couple in your notes for you. Here's some ancient ones. This is from the Dhammapada. This is Buddhism. It says, hurt not others with what pains yourself, right? Hurt not others with what pains yourself. In Buddhism, in Greco-Roman philosophy, this is from Isocrates, uh, 400 BC, do not do to others what angers you when you experience it from others. Um, so Greek philosophy, you have this golden rule. In Rabbi Hillel, this is just 30 years before Jesus, um, in the Jewish tradition, and this is in one of the Talmud teachings, what is hateful to yourself, don't do to another. That is the whole Torah. That is the whole Torah. Interesting. Because that's exactly what Jesus says at the end of his golden rule. He says, treat others as you would have them treat you. This is the law, Torah, and the prophets. So Jesus picks up that language right here from Rabbi Hillel. He's borrowing a little bit. But notice the difference between these ancient forms of the golden rule and Jesus' form of the golden rule. What's the difference? Somebody shout it out. Anybody? It's positive instead of negative. Jesus, help us understand what you are telling us in this golden rule, right? So all these forms of the ancient golden rule, they are mostly negative. And, and I did a lot of reading, all right? And I don't know if, if Jesus' positive form of the golden rule is completely original to him, but whether it's original or not, it's absolutely intentional, right? I can't find a lot of other versions of the golden rule in a positive form before the New Testament. So Jesus is intentionally saying this positive golden rule, right? He's saying, I, it's not enough. It is not enough that you avoid harm. It is not enough that you avoid hurting people. You must intentionally go out and love and seek them, right? I think this is the thrust of what Jesus is saying. Holy Spirit, help us understand, right? My daughter, last week, she found a piece of wood in our backyard. We're doing a lot of yard work, obviously. She found this big piece of wood. And, um, and my daughter, she loves the Bible, okay? <laughs> and uh, I don't apologize for it. It's really incredible. And she went to my, my wife and said, Mom, um, I want to write those 10 do not commandments on this piece of wood. We're like, what? Uh, she didn't say commandments. She said, I want to do those 10 things that God tells us not to do, right? And they're like, oh, you mean the 10 commandments, right? The 10 commandments. And, and she's not wrong. Those 10 commandments, there are a lot of do nots, right? Do not do this. Don't have any other gods. Don't make an idol. Don't kill people. Don't covet. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Um, don't do work on the Sabbath. In fact, the only one that is positive is honor your parents, right? So she's not wrong. And when people say that Christianity or religion is just a, 
full of rules of do not. I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. I grew up in a denomination, and we were known for not allowing people to drink or go to the movies or play with face cards or go dancing, right? Sometimes we can become part of religions that are known for what we're not allowed to do or what we should not do. But here's Jesus saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to be known as people who just do not, do not, do not, do not. We are going to be known as people who do who do unto others as we would have them done to us. This, this is the law and the prophets. Later on in the same book, in in Matthew, somebody will say, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And I imagine people are ready for him to say something like, do not work on the Sabbath. Do not have other gods before me. But what does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Church, we're not a people of do not. We are a people of do. What is Christ telling us in the golden rule is that it's not enough to stand back and not harm anyone. But we are the people This is the movement that will change the world when we actively seek ways to love people, when we actively seek ways to make things right. Jesus focuses on the positive action of love. That is who we are. That's the thrust of the golden rule. So if we're using it in any way other than that, we are misusing the words of Christ couple of next steps. What do we do with this? What do we? The first one is that the heart of the golden rule is empathy and action. If we are going to live up to Jesus' words, and if we are going to do unto others what we would have done unto us, we have to know them, right? That's what I would want. I want people to know me. I want people to know what I like, what I dislike. I want people to know what would make me happy. The spirit and the heart of the golden rule is empathy. Know the other person, but then also take action. It's not enough to know somebody and not hurt them. I'm doing that to a lot of people right now. (laughs) I'm doing a lot of not hurting, but that's not reaching the level of Jesus' commandment. Know them and do for them what they need to be done, what needs to be done. Do for them, care for them, love them, reach out to them. The heart of the golden rule is empathy and action. Second, commit to reading the scripture well. Commit to reading the scripture well. It means doing a little bit of history. It means doing a little bit of Bible study. It means maybe getting a better Bible, right? I know that it's really in vogue to read the Bible on your phones because it is very, very good and very simple, and it's really nice. I have a Bible on my phone, too, and uh, it never reminds me to read it. (laughs) So I would, and I I very rarely use it. I I only use it in a pinch. Um, What helps me is to have a physical paper Bible. 
and it helps me because I write notes in it. I write in it. I remember the last time I was here. I remember the last time I read it. I use uh, the common English Bible here with references. And so what that does is in the middle margins, anywhere in the New Testament or Old Testament, if there's another piece of Scripture that references those same words, it'll, it'll tell me where it's referenced. I will also recommend to you the Wesley Study Bible. It comes in an NRSV version and a Common English Bible version. And this will have footnotes and remarks to kind of give us a little bit of history, a little bit of study behind the scripture that really kind of falls in line with our Methodist tradition. So that's why I recommend it to you. Um, but there's a lot of excellent ways to help us study the Bible more. Also on the back of the bulletin is daily readings. We call it the Grow, Pray, Study Guide with just a little bit, like a sentence or two of interpretation that I write to help us out as we read the scriptures. So as we read the scriptures, we got to do better. We got to understand a little bit of history. We got to get a little bit extra information, but nothing beats prayer, right? All the education in the world is not a substitute for inviting the Holy Spirit into your scripture reading. We have to read scripture through prayer. It is a worshipful act. It's not a textbook, all right? It is a worshipful act. So we got to read scripture better. And then finally, we got to be better public witness of Christ's words. Why take up this act? I mean, it is not easy to know scripture and to do it well. It's not easy to, um, to read, and, and it's, it's hard work uh, to study the backgrounds in order to know how to use these words well. You might think, why not just live a quiet life, be kind to one another, and, and come to worship and pray? Why do I have to know the Bible inside and out? Well, the reality is, there's a lot of Christians out there who have a Christless familiarity with Scripture, and they're using it in ways to hurt and destroy and damage the witness of the church. We got a Bible mailed to us a couple of weeks ago. It's over here. Not long ago, a, um, and I got the letter that, that went along with it. Here in the, here in a, at our church, we have these free Bibles in our pews. Um, congre- uh, members in the congregation have donated. And we have this thing, if you, if you don't have a Bible, um, you can take that Bible that's in front of you. You can take a Bible from the church, no big deal. Um, it's yours now, right? A little while ago, months ago, somebody came into the church on a weekday and, and hung out with Elaine for a little bit, and uh, this person was not a Christian, and, and Elaine shared with them all the different things that we do, and, and uh, then Elaine said, hey, would you like a Bible? You can take a Bible. This one's for you. And she took the Bible, and she took it home with her to California, uh, where she lives, and she didn't know much about our scriptures, so she took a Bible, and she was eager, uh, eager to read it. Uh, Then we got a letter in the mail a few weeks ago, and it says this. Dear Christ United Methodist Church, here is your book back. I'm sorry for taking it out of the church. I had thought that they were free handouts. I was very interested in reading it when when I would be able to get the time. But after seeing many poor examples of Christians in my own life, I feel like I do not need to read and to get to know what your book says about your Christian faith. I've been trying endlessly with problematic Christians that have turned my life into a living hell, but I guess Christians in general care nothing 
but about their own faith than of respecting other individuals from other religions. I've seen all I can from Christianity and Christians. I had once hoped that I could learn some great lessons from your religion and yours mine, but after what I have witnessed by a group of individuals that supposedly call themselves Christians, I'm not interested or curious in knowing what your religion has to say. Thank you for your book and your time. Have a blessed and peaceful life. P.S. Don't send me back the book. Thank you. P.S. I've done nothing terrible to your Bible, and I've tried to keep it safe from damage. There might be some dust, but nothing terrible has been done to it. Yeah. If we who think of ourselves as right-thinking Christians, if we who think of ourselves as people that live up to the love of God, if we are silent about our faith, if we are quiet about our faith, other Christians will speak up for us. And they may do damage. They may do irreparable damage. So church, be a better witness. Speak about your faith. Love people, right? Know the scriptures well. Study it so that we get fewer and fewer of these, right? I'm going to post this. It's not a way, I'm going to leave these up. It's not a way to shame us. I don't, she wasn't talking about any of you people. But we need to take serious our call to be witnesses of Christ in our world, to be better witnesses, to know the scriptures, and to live the golden rule as Christ intends it to be lived. We need help. We need Holy Spirit power. We need Christ in us.